Welcome to Punk Frockers, a community sewing podcast brought to you by Jenny Hassler and Beverly Baptiste. Good morning, Beverly. How's it going today? It's going great. How are you doing, Jenny? I'm doing really well, um, and I'm excited to come together for today's topic, which we'll get to in a little bit, um, but it's part of our PF Hot Stuff Month in February. Uh, this month, we, of course, have a sponsor, and it is Fostering Sewing Patterns with Absolutely Adorable Stuffed Animal Sewing Patterns, which is something that I really want to make but haven't gotten to yet, so I'm really excited to have this opportunity to really think about that each and every week. How about you? Yeah. I haven't made them either, but I really want to try that. I have um, a couple of nieces that like stuffed animals, but also um, I'd like to just, I think I could have one for the couch, you know, like just a little couch cushion. Absolutely. And one of the ones that I found to be super adorable is they have a cuddle monster, a cuddle monster pattern, which is sort oh. of a, a boxy looking little monster with wings, horns, and holding a heart. Aww. which is super well themed for um, February, of course. So wander off and pick that up. It's only $9. It's a great price for it. Um, and that's just one of the, the really fabulous plushy patterns that are available there. Um, I'm still pretty sure that the danger noodle will end up being my very first pattern yeah. <laughs> because who doesn't love a cobra python or two headed snake yeah. animal pattern, right? <laughs> and that, those are great for keeping drafts out too right that's also true yeah. um and i of course have got a granddaughter who's a, a snakeophile whatever that oh, would really? be called. i didn't know that so yeah my younger granddaughter they have they have owned snakes at various times right now i believe that they are down to um some form of lizard creature i know it has legs um and they also have an axolotl uh that is sort of a i guess what aquatic lizard looking thing i don't know i'm not as into these things but they are and so her, <laughs> my granddaughter's bedroom has to maintain certain temperatures and they have to be really careful about the aquariums oh. that they have in there that hold the animals and so forth because they have they have temperature needs that are different than for the rest of the household her mom is like me uh the uh heat doesn't go on in the house unless everybody's already under blankets and wearing sweaters because mm -hmm. if you are not doing those things you are clearly not cold <laughs> so, but my granddaughter's room is the exception because the uh the lizardy things also have temperature requirements <laughs> okay. um awesome well let's catch up a little bit and i have to yeah. go first because i have been holding this information in um not for a long time, but I'm so excited because Taco Magazine has accepted one of my designs for issue number nine. And I am, I am just so, so excited. Now yeah. they're on issue six. That's what was just released. So you can tell with seven, eight, and nine, it's going to be towards the end of this year because they yeah. release quarterly that you'll see that one coming out. Um, but I am, it's so exciting. I am elated. Um, the theme for the episode, the episode, the theme for the issue, which can be seen um, when you, when you clicked over and I've talked about it before, when you clicked over to make a submission, it talked about what the inspiration should be. And in this case, the inspiration was blues and denims. That was what they were looking oh, for. Take inspiration cool. from. So you can assume whatever I've made in some way 
manages those two concepts. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to wait and find out what you're it is. Tell us what I'm, your pattern is, right? I'm not allowed in any way to describe it. I oh. can't even tell you what kind of garment it is. So I am telling you nothing, although there's a tiny, tiny hint, but barely for one, one feature of the garment uh, coming up in this description. So I'm super overwhelmed first off because I definitely didn't imagine this would happen. Um, and mm -hmm. if you went back to when we started the podcast, there would be no part of my brain that was like, I bet one day I'm going to have one of the sewing magazines publish a pattern of mine. <laughs> would not have been in there. But over the course of the last maybe six months when I started really looking at designing some things because I thought it might be fun to sell dresses and people really saying they believed I could and that I had a like sort of a vision for what I wanted to do or whatever, I started to think, well, maybe there's another interesting way I could get patterns out there. I know. Mm -hmm. For 2023, I'm going to make it a goal to have a pattern my published by somebody who isn't me because I do not want to do it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and what do you know? We're we're just barely into February and I have achieved that goal theoretically. I mean, we still have to get there and have it published, but theoretically I have achieved the goal and I'm so excited. That's awesome. I have already um, drafted the base pattern and I am almost done with grading it. The big problem here is that Taco Magazine requires a bunch of sizes smaller than my than my size chart. And so, so I'm having to figure that out because, <laughs> because it's not a place I normally work. Like my yeah. size chart goes from a 38 inch chest to a 62 inch chest. I and see. theirs ends earlier than that, just a little bit earlier than the 62 chest, um, but goes down further south to a 31 inch chest, which like that's a seven inch span from where I normally stop. So, so there's a party going on there. The other thing that's kind of unique to me is when I look at their size chart, the, the differences between chests aren't evenly paced. So on my size chart, I do every two inches. I'm just like, well, I'll try a new size there. Um, theirs isn't that way. It ranges from about two and a half inches between sizes all the way up to a little bit more than four inches between sizes based huh. on chest measurement only, which is weird. Like for me, I see that and I think, oh, well, that's not as rhythmic as I intended. And they're yeah. also like super specific inches. Like mine's just even, It's just, which is specific, I guess, right? Because it's 0. Yeah. But for theirs, it'll be like, 31.9 and so it's, it's, it's a number math. with um with in, in centimeters um they do give a centimeter number and it is a whole number so that's yeah. probably part of it but yeah. it's still not even no matter how you look at it it's still not evenly paced right no but the but the reason you have you know 63.2 yeah is because it's centimeters yeah. and you're right that I hadn't even thought about that but it's just it's it's not what I'm accustomed to. So it's going to be interesting because yeah. like I've got decisions to make, for example, where I've already graded something to be a 46 and a 48. If the measurement that they're looking for is 47.1. Right. <laughs> am I regrading or am I saying actually, because this is um, possibly not a super fitted garment, <laughs> how much of a difference does it make? So we're going to find out. Um, but having done that, the next thing I've really got to do is to write instructions, which is terrifying because my ideal instructions look exactly like style arcs. Yeah. And that's not how you're going to do. That is not what they're asking for. They want instructions that have paragraphs of description and little illustrations, which they have said they will help me with because okay. no one wants my illustrations. <laughs> I promise <laughs> you. 
<laughs> well, and they have like their own style of illustration. Yes. They want to have it the same. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'll call out where I think an illustration would be helpful, but I don't expect to be doing that. And then finally, there is one thing in my in my pattern, one thing that I have only successfully done, and you can't make any guesses because you know what it is. I have only successfully done when I've watched a video. <laughs> And I told them this. I said, I'm going to, I'm going to try and write it out, but I'm going to tell you right now, the only way I know how to do this is to watch a video. And they said, you know what? We can take care of the instructions for that part. And I'm like, (laughs) awesome. Cause I'm sure they have, it's the sort of thing that over the course of their issues, they will have already described somewhere. (laughs) Just lift that wholesale and put it in my instructions. That'd be great. So I'm really, really excited by it. They're super supportive. They're, they're super helpful. Um, They're, their fee is not they well they start by apologizing i will say (laughs) (laughs) it begins with saying hey how much of the work are you going to do like have you just given us what you're going to give us the illustration you gave and now you're done or will you be drafting the pattern and if you're drafting it will you also be grading it and if you're grading it will you also be writing the instructions and if you're writing the instructions will you also illustrate and if you're doing all of that normally they would have you sew up the samples and send them to them in Mm -hmm. Finland, but um, the post has been really, really wonky and they need it by the end of March. So they're like, actually, if you don't mind, we're going to sew this up. And I'm like, nope, don't mind a bit. That's fine. Mm -hmm. You know, that's cool with me. Um, So they're going to sew up the garment, which is great. But I said I was going to do all the stuff except the illustrations and the one thing the one yeah. thing that I don't feel comfortable writing up necessarily. I'm probably going to try to write it up. It's just, I'll put, put a big note that's like, this is where you might want to actually write up the instructions because I don't know. Um, and uh, and then they came back with a fee. So once you settle that, they tell you the number, but they do start by saying, hey, we're kind of small and <laughs> we know this may not be what you're expecting, but is you know does it seem reasonable for the work? And because I want to try and do all the work, I... And I don't have a context for what is reasonable. I'm I'm going with I'm going with what I'm going. This one, the fee for everything I've described is 400 euros. Euros uh-huh. sounds right because it's Finland, um, which seems reasonable to me. I believe it was 400. It was right, and it was that or 450. It was something in that range. Okay, um, which seems reasonable to me for the amount of work that I know I'm going to put in it. Now, part of that is because, like, I submitted two designs, and I'm going to go ahead and draft and grade the other design too. Yeah. They didn't take it, but mm-hmm. it's going to become a design that I have out there um, for me to use to make things for others, or if I ever decide to do anything else with it. Um, and yeah, it, it didn't seem super unreasonable to me. It's, uh, it falls within what I was willing to do. So I'm super excited. Um, yeah. So awesome, right? Yeah, that's super great. I'm so proud of you, Jenny. That's like, I am so like that really, <laughs> I know took a lot for you to put yourself out there and, and, and apply for this. And even though like you can say, well, I just, it's okay. I'm not going to get accepted. It, it still is like, you know, it's a lot of work and it's also putting yourself out to for open for rejection. And probably yep. most of the people who applied for it got rejected because I imagine I, they had many submissions. I've spent most of the time since the day I applied. Well, the day they closed, they closed applications on the 15th of January. And between then and they said they were going to make decisions by the 31st of January. So you between the so fast. 
I know. But between the 15th and the day they said they were going to have things, I was like, I did a search on my inbox every day to make sure it didn't get stuck in spam. (laughs) (laughs) I figured a rejection email might easily get stuck in spam because it might be sent blind to a bunch of people at once or I didn't know. And so I was like checking every day because I still... I had a lot of anticipation around it. And of course, I want to really give a lot of thanks to everyone who encouraged me. Once I started mentioning it on the show, I got so many different DMs from folks who were like, oh, it's going to be amazing. I'm so excited for you. Tell me about the garment. And I'm like, I can't do that, but um, but exciting. Um, but I really want to thank you because you did definitely give me the push I needed to actually, actually do it. And I would I would never have tried. And that means I would never have succeeded That's right. um, without the push. So I, I really appreciate it because that is always... Obviously, um, one of the distant possibilities is when you put yourself out there, it's always possible you will be successful. (laughs) Yes, right. So very exciting. But I'm also doing something else exciting that I've been pushed to by someone else. Um, I am nearly done with my first Blanca flight suit from Closet Core Patterns. Wow. And this is extra super exciting for me because I have owned this flight suit since before it was sized for my body. Oh, wow. And I have had this pattern. It's one of the first ones I bought after coming back to sewing. Um, I have followed Blanca on Instagram, who is the inspiration for the flight suit. She has made so many. She is a kicky, but straight-sized for sure. Sewist, who is um, older, which I love. So it's one of those inspirational older sewists, so over 50 sewists, and... I've, I've admired, I've been interested for forever, but it just, it just wasn't sized for my body. And, and I finally, I started noticing, um, that Fabric Scraps, Sarah from Fabric Scraps has made a couple of these previously. And when I was digging through searching most recently, like I went through all my patterns and I pulled out some I've always wanted to make. And when I was searching through, I saw images of Sarah who has very similar measurements to mine wearing the jumpsuit and thought, oh, Okay, so maybe this is a thing I could now make. Yeah, that's great. And, and I, Sarah reached out to me after one of our recent episodes by DM and said, hey, I know you keep saying you're going to be making this. What do you think about actually making it? Yeah. <laughs> and we could, we could set a date and we could sew it together. And oh, nice. um, we did not get on video chat or anything, but we sat for several hours just texting back and forth images of where we were in the project and how it was going or for me when I had questions and just started sewing it together um, yesterday, actually yesterday morning. And I got through putting the zipper in all that's remaining in the pattern instructions are the side seams, the crotch seam, the collar and the sleeves and the order of operations is supposed to be collar sleeves, crotch seam, side seams. Mm -hmm. But As soon as we got done with our sewing session, Sarah had to go off someplace else and we were going to start up again this morning. As soon as we got done with it, I panicked. I held it up to my body and I thought, oh, this is not going to (laughs) fit. This is not going to fit. And I put it on as if I was wearing a poncho of it, right? I unzipped it and just put it over my shoulders. Nothing hooked up on the sides or the under crotch. And I thought, yeah, this is going to be terrible. So I took the poncho off and I sewed it up. Just immediately, I did the underarm and I did the the crotch seam because I'm like, first off, I can take them out if I need to. Mm-hmm. But secondly, if it doesn't fit now, this is the moment for me to be disappointed and put in a side seam racing stripe so that it will. <laughs> yeah, you don't. You definitely don't want to like have put in the collar 
And then, right. you know, like, and then figure out, you know, yes. gonna, yeah. I was already unhappy. I'd put in the zipper, um, but, <laughs> but yeah, I needed, but the zipper would be easier to put in before you did the side seams in the crotch. So it was yeah. important that I do that. So I stitched it up and I did scant it instead of a five eighths inch. I did closer to three eighths of an inch okay. um, on my, on my seams, but it, but I could have done five eighths as it turns out, I pulled it on and it fits beautifully. The oh. place I still have concern is that um, my top would normally be about a 24 in this pattern by measurement. And my hips are the 30, which is what I made for that. But instead of making the bodice as a 24, which would be closer fitted and grading out to the 30, which is a long way to grade. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I instead made the bodice as the 28 and the hips as the 30. It's not a big difference, uh-huh. but it's a little bit of a difference. And I did all my grading at the waistband because okay. there's a waistband on the back. Oh, right, right. And- and I did my grading there. That's how I got between the two sizes, which is only on either side, a centimeter and a half, maybe okay. worth of, you know, three quarters of an inch or whatever. It's not much. It's not much. Right. Yeah. And so I tried, I pulled it on and it went on really comfortably and it fit with plenty of ease through the hips. It's just about perfect through the hips. And wow. then the bodice is obviously a little bit too big, but I knew that. But I wanted that because I wear a continuous glucose monitor on my left arm. And as I pull on overalls or other things that are that kind of a thing, Uh I can't actually have it slide over my skin. I have to keep it out a little ways to get over without pulling out this monitor, right? And so I was concerned that if I made it fitted enough that I would really struggle to get that on and off, especially for bathroom needs right yeah, like right. sometimes yeah sometimes you don't have five minutes to work out how to get yeah. something moving <laughs> um and so I made it a little bit bigger for that when I get the sleeves on I'll know more because right now it was just lickety split easy peasy to take on and off once the sleeves are on it will not be the same that will be a different way of pulling that on and off because the sleeves will stabilize that armhole enough that it, yeah. it just may be different um but I think it's going to be okay and that's that's sort of that continuous push pull in a zip front coverall of how fitted can it be and still be practical to wear. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but I'm excited by it. That's I'm, so awesome. I'm so pleased. And when I get this one done, I think the next one that I want to make, and I think there will be a next one is um, the reason I wanted to make the Blanca flight suit is because it looks like the flight suit my dad wore for astronomy. Yeah. And his was in a Navy it was it was like a shirtweight navy. It wasn't a really heavyweight one. It might have been an Oxford cloth weight, like a little heavier, but not not super heavy. Mm-hmm. But I want to make one, I think, out of like a stretch denim in a navy. Mm-hmm. And I want that stretch because I think it's going to give me that little bit more because I for getting it on and off, right? That yeah. just tiny bit more structure. And then I want to go out to Etsy or eBay and buy the patches he had on his that were oh, from cool. different um, different shuttle flights that students of his took when they became ast- astronauts and that were from um, the Mars rover that he helped work on. I'd like to get some from the Hubble telescope because he participated in some of that project as well. So there's, there's just some things like that I want to get onto the garment That's that I awesome. think will be great. And that in that dark Navy denim, it'll be, it'll just be really neat. Yeah. And then it can double duty as a Halloween costume, as well as just a memorial outfit to my dad. So yeah. I'm super That's excited. 
Um, and I really appreciate Sarah taking the time to reach out and say, hey, seems like you'd like to do this. And she she wanted to make another one as well and was like, you know, and I've been putting mine off. So maybe if we accountability each other into it. Yeah. <laughs> and indeed, it's the only reason it's happened right now, because I've had it, as you know, out on my table for a while. But that's also been true for for almost two years is that it's been out on my table yeah. and then it gets put back away. And in fact, between the last time I had it out and now, the, I had to reorder the pattern because I had ordered it in specific sizes. Mm. And it didn't cover the sizes I wanted to make it out of now. I Like I had changed. I think it's important to note too that the reason you didn't make it is not because you didn't like the pattern. It was because or that you weren't motivated to make it. No. I think you were afraid of being disappointed. I, I was. Every yeah. time I thought about making it, I would go out and look at the images. And by and large, the images are of women much smaller than me. Mm-hmm. And it's... It's it's that representation thing. It's really hard to picture yourself in a thing yeah. if you haven't seen someone else in the thing. And you know, Sarah's images help. You, you get the idea that maybe other folks your size have made it and it wasn't successful. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And seeing Sarah, who is a little bit smaller than me at all three measurements, but just like a little, mm-hmm. um, seeing that on her and seeing her move in it because she does videos walking straight towards the camera turning around and walking straight back yeah really helped me to understand that this was possible and then when we chatted I asked her about sizing and I explained my concern about this monitor on my arm and she said yeah if 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 you want the more fitted look that she has I should go down but that with what I'm describing don't do that and put the put the belt on it instead yeah. and you're going to find that i think that does all the things you want now it has an optional belt versus an elastic waistband at the back and i think the belt is going to be the right answer for me um but but there's always the possibility of unpicking the side seam right there and putting that elastic in if i decide i want it so yeah. that's I'm, cool i'm really excited and so thankful that that she reached out and took that time to say you know this is something that seems important to you want some help getting it done. <laughs> That's great. That's really nice. Yeah. I was so excited. So what have you been making? Well, um, the, the one thing that I've made that's interesting is I made a second version of, um, the Nephilim blouse that is from Vivian Chaus, um, Chen. And it's a, um, it's a, uh, kind of A-line blouse with a, it has an, the, the interest, one of the interesting features on it is it has, there's two options, but the option that I chose has a deeper neckline, uh, nice rounded neckline, really beautiful. And there's, uh, it's a ruffle, um, a gathered, you know, doubled piece of fabric at the neckline. It's also finished really nicely with bias tape. So, um, it's, it's very nice. I made it from this linen that I got. I got this linen. It's not the normal, um, Merchant and Mills linen. It's their lighter weight linen that they have. Uh, yeah. I bought from them. It's this, it's black. And um, anyways, it's, I, I really like how it came out. So what did I, what I did with this, the other big feature of it is that there's uh, pleats in the sleeve. There's like, kind of like in a Tamsin dress, there's this pleated like horizontal. Yeah, pleats. yeah. I love it. 
So the differences that I made in it, number one is I took the shoulders out a half inch on both sides and really I was going to do an inch, but I, um, I looked in my book that talks about making broad shoulder things and it's like a half inch should be plenty. (laughs) And so I think, so I did a half inch, but actually I should have done an inch because I think this has a slightly narrow shoulders and maybe I'm a half inch out from a regular shoulder. So I think I need to uh, make it a whole inch, but it's totally wearable, totally wearable. And, um, I made it an inch longer in the hem and in the sleeves I think those are the only changes I made. Oh, I lowered the dart <laughs> uh, by an inch. And the dart is perfect, except for that the, the darts on this come really far in. And I think I'd like them, uh, the next time I'll make them a little bit closer to the side seams, like the ending point. Um, but that's just personal preference. I really like it. I had I had a question about the construction instructions where... So this the the sleeve comes down because it gathers at the at the at the wrist end of the sleeve. Um it comes yeah. down the the pattern piece is straight. Okay? So it's very easy to make those pleats when it's flat, but the instructions say to do it when it's already sewn together in a tube. And that to me seemed so like unnecessarily difficult. Okay. Um <laughs> but, uh, I mentioned that in my Instagram post and the designer commented Oh yes, the reason I do that is because she wants that um that fold to go the whole way around, right? And not okay. have that like meeting in the seam. She wants it to be open there and she said it might be more bulky. Although I'm trying to think of how either way you're going to have to put all that fabric through, but um I prefer I just prefer to make it easier. I don't think I can at least I don't really see that seam at all. So like where it would be open. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like the fold being open instead of the fold being smushed into right. a seam. So yeah, yeah. I don't really notice it. So for me, it's just easier to do when it's flat. I mean, I think that's a good argument for it. And it's a reasonable adjustment. I would yeah. do the same, almost certainly. So I really, really like the, um, that blouse. It's, it's, uh, I think I, I can see myself making a few more of them. It's very easy to wear with, I wore it with my free range slacks, uh, that, that I really like. So that's the interesting thing I've done. The other thing is, it's pretty boring. It's just been making these workout shorts because I've been, um, going to a gym where it's warmer than outside. So, um, I have, made the Hudson pants. I shortened them and I didn't put the pocket on because I don't want pockets when I'm at the gym. Um, so I've made that. I also want to make some of the Friday pattern company sports shorts. Those go up to a 63 inch hip. That is a pattern. that's a pay as you wish pattern. It could be a, a zero or whatever. And, um, there's also a pattern from green style, which is the um, Balboa Balboa shorts. Those go up to a 62 inch hip and those are really cool. They have like, they kind of remind me of dolphin shorts from when we were, do you remember the dolphin shorts when we were? I don't remember those. Tell me more. Okay. So when we, in, in the eighties, there was something called dolphin shorts there. It's, that was a brand. It was dolphin and they, um, they just kind of, I don't know. It's similar to the the sport shorts in that they kind of, um, but they would always be made out of like some kind of like athletic fabric. 
I don't know. Um, I wonder if our listeners remember dolphin shorts from the eighties. Uh, yeah. I'd, I'd have mine a little longer than that, I think. But um, <laughs> anyways, yeah. So I'm going to, when I'm in New York this weekend, I'm going to get some, uh, some fabric for those as well. I am so phenomenally um, envious of the part where you are going to New York, just as a side note there. I don't want you to be surprised by that, but I am, I am super duper surprised, envious rather. Well, I'm going Um, with a friend for Vogue Knitting Live um, and it's supposed to be for this thing, but I'm only going to go one day to that. And I'm going to spend two days like in New York city in the garment district. Yeah. I I'm really looking forward to getting to do that at some point again. Um, I've got, I've got my trip planned in March to my little mini garment district of all the different shops I hit over there in the Raleigh Durham area, but it's, it's definitely not the same, yeah. you know? Um, but I am excited by it and I can't wait to see what you bring back. I assume there'll be a show and tell. Yeah, uh, after I'll the fact, um, because that's obviously a mandatory item. Okay, so we have some new patterns to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's see. The one that you have forced me to purchase is the one we're starting <laughs> with, and that's the Isola jumpsuit, which, damn it. I mean, it's like you know who I am right now, and this one is amazing. They describe it as a modern take on the overall slim cut through the body with a darted bodice for added shaping. And the nice thing about this is that I think I can, I think I can dart the bodice in the front enough to take me from the 24 to the 30 which is what my difference is. I don't think I'll have to do as much grading on the side seams. I'll do a little, but I think I can make those darts a little deeper to account for some of that. Yeah. Oh, you mean in the back? In the front and the back. They have darts both sides. Yeah, but the darts on the front are only for the bodice. Yes, no, no. But I the the pant is going to be the size 30, period, from the waist down. And so the bodice is all I've got to bring in to meet the pant. But the, you so have, have to make to the bodice smaller of the pant because there's no waistband. Well, the waist part where the well, but the waist the is going to be thirty. It is. Yeah. Won't your waist be smaller than the size thirty? Twenty eight. I mean. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So um, I could probably take that all up in the booty. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, I love it. I love how the the st- so this is. A pattern for <laughs> beauty, first of all. Um, it goes up to a 67-inch hip. And um the this pattern is I really like it. Um there's so as Jenny said, there's darts in the front and the back for the bodice, and there's darts in the back for the for the pants. For the butt, yeah. Yeah, and they're they're wide leg um overalls. They're yeah. it's it's really cute. The buttons are in the back. So, but there's a zipper yeah, in there. But front. I don't think it matters because you're going to button it once and yes, then you're and never going to unbutton it again. I, <laughs> yeah, I think maybe, yeah, that might be just be a stick down thing instead of a button for me. Um, yeah, because they've got the zipper in the front, which is how yes. you're going to get in and out of this puppy. Um, uh, I would definitely probably just put the button, like, I wouldn't want to have that loose 
like it like it's showing there. But that's just me. Yeah. But maybe actually, if you had that, maybe it depends on what you're wearing underneath. If you're wearing underneath or not, that's true. You may want it a little longer. That's true. And I I think it's super cute. Now the way that it's being shown in the styled in the photo, they're not wearing anything underneath it. Yes. And you definitely don't have to with this if you yes. um if you're not worried about bra straps or if your bra straps can follow the crisscrossiness, you would be fine. Um, I, I like it. I think it's super cute. And I'm going to try and use darts on the front to adjust my bodice size, darts on the front of the bodice to adjust my bodice size rather than having to grade, but I may have to grade. Yeah. You may just be right. But I'm, the other thing that makes me nervous about it is if you, if you've clicked through and looked at the pattern itself um, and the measurements for it is this is one of those ones where um, where they've made the decision to have the ease be pretty much the same across all the sizes. And that means that the, you know, the one inch ease that you are feeling at um, at the low end may look a little different than one inch ease does at my end. <laughs> and so there's, there's definitely, I have some concerns, but but well, we'll I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to give it a go and find out what happens because, because I do really, really love it. Um, and so I am super duper excited about getting to make it. I just, I just have the the tiniest bit of concern that, that the amount of ease um, in the size 30 may not be a hundred percent what I'm looking for, um, but it's adorable, adorable. Okay, the next one is the Itch to Stitch Nussel Joggers. That's an interesting name. Anyways, <laughs> it's, um, or Nussel? I don't know. Anyways, don't know. um, it's, there's three different looks with it. There's a long version that has, um, sides, sides, a split side hem and goes straight down from the knees. There's a slim fit ankle version, which is kind of what you sort of normally, it has like a, uh, a cuff at the bottom, like you kind of normally think of for joggers. And there's a Capri per- version that also has cuffs and it ends at the high calves. Uh, it's designed for four-way stretch knit fabric and it sits at the natural waist and has an elastic waistband. Um, and it's I got think- those slant front pockets too. Yes. Nice. I think they're really, they look really comfortable and they're similar uh, to the Hudson pants, but they, they're supposed to be, I think, a little closer fitting than those. Um, yeah. And I feel like I've seen those long ones that go straight down with the little slit at the side appearing yeah. more and more often in my feed. So okay. that must um, be a trend. Yeah, must be. It's, I mean, they're cute. They're not for me, but they're very cute. Okay. The next one I'm so excited about. I've already bought them. I'm excited too. And I shouldn't be. <laughs> This is the so liberated Concecha pants or Concecha pants. Do you know? Yep. Concecha pants. I got nothing. Okay. Concecha? I got nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Concecha, maybe. Um, I think it is supposed to be a Spanish word. But, anyways, these are kind of like jeans, I think. But they, so they have two different, they have two different views. Okay. View A, it has a fitted curved waistband and darts on the back. And uh, there's a yoke. It's an interesting yoke, though. It's like uh, opposite of how you normally see a yoke, which is that um, the the side seams are the low part and the back is the high part, which is just different from how you see in jeans on the front and the back. And this yoke, the pa- the 
pockets go into the yoke. So it's it's a cool little design. And um the view B is um and so those are those are like narrow legs and view B is a wide leg and it has an elastic back option. And I'm going to make view A with the elastic back option. So I'm gonna make the like slimmer legs but with the elastic back. But I'm so where the hell is the zipper? Oh, it's a side Not zip. the elastic it's a side one, zip. the other one. It's a side zip. Okay, thank God, because I keep looking at the photos, and I'm like, where the hell is the zipper? <laughs> <laughs> and there are no side photos, and so that yeah. explains it, because I keep zooming, and I'm like, I don't understand. I only know that because I've read about it. Yeah. Side. Okay. It's a side zipper. Yeah. I think they're confusing me. <laughs> they are adorable, don't you think? They are so adorable. I love them so much. And now that I know it's a side zipper, I want to put an overall front on them. (laughs) (laughs) Because they would be so cute with an overall front on them. And you could make it an overall front that buttons in on the inside. Yeah. So you put buttons on the inside of the waistband and you put the buttonhole on the overhaul front. And then. Yeah. Yeah. I just, they are adorable. And I, you obviously have to color block them. If you're not color blocking them, what are you even doing? (laughs) She did such a great job with these. I I love them so much. These are a thousand percent adorable. And to me, it looks like on the color block denim pair that they show that that must be where they just use the backside of the denim as the color blocking. Oh. Because if you look at the cuffs at the bottom. Yes, it's the same color, isn't it? Yeah. And I just, I love them. I love them so much. And I should not love them. Yes, you For should. sure. And I'm definitely doing the elastic waist version. Um, whether I do slim leg or fat leg, I'm doing the elastic waist version. Yeah. But yeah. these are so marvelous. Yeah. They are, I, I don't have words. I definitely <laughs> want to make you. those. I will be... Uh, they look so comfortable too. So a lot of nice, a, a lot of ease in the hips and legs area for both of them. Yeah. So. Yeah. And the, I mean, it's, so this fits really well into our, our topic. So I'm just going to raise the topic, which is what does it look like when you're risk taking or moving out of your comfort zone and sewing? Okay. And these pants, when you just stop, when you begin your day by looking at them, the way that you have to be really precise and how you're me- matching up your pieces on this That's true. That's true. can feel outside of your comfort zone, especially if it's something you feel like you've been unsuccessful at previously. The way that they've got sort of patches built in on the knees as a possibility, but not a mandate. And whether you do that in a different color to contrast, they've chosen not to. They're on the denim slim fit pants mm-hmm. and they've used the same dark denim for those knee patches. But if you did those like the elbows of um, of those tweed shirts with the leather patches, right? <laughs> you could do it in a contrast color, but just Ooh, leather. Having... right on, right? Knee patches. Leather knee patches and the top part. I mean, I think there's a lot of fun to be had there, suede. Um, But the way that you've got to actually think about meeting and matching up can be intimidating. So these would be a great pair of pants if you wanted to just stretch a little bit, Mm -hmm. just a little out of your comfort zone in terms of precision, which for me as a quilter, that's a place I always struggle in. I have this quilt that hangs behind me when we record 
And whenever I have a Zoom meeting, I'm often in this room to hold that meeting because it's a reasonable background. People comment on this thing all the time. But when I turn around, all I see is how the points aren't matched. <laughs> like there's so much of it that's not not matched because matching points is something that takes a degree of precision I don't build into my everyday sewing. Mm-hmm. But is it a place where I could stretch? Right. And these pants are going to be my stretch for that, for sure. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So for me, my comfort zone in sewing is pretty obviously, if you go and look at my Instagram, it's um, loose fitting dresses. That's where my comfort zone is right now. Now, if you go back two years, my comfort zone is fitted dresses. That's the thing I made most right. of back then. But right now I'm in the loose dress with gathers phase, right? Is that right? Or are you in the overalls phase? Oh, no. Okay. To be fair, I have exited from loose dress with gathers into overalls, but I am still making and wearing looser dresses, but I'm mostly pinaforing right now or overalling, which is bizarre. But how do you step away when you get into what could be described as a rut, though I do not describe my binge sewing or my desire for a particular garment as a rut because I'm excited by it. There's no part yeah. of it where I'm like, man, this is really boring, but I guess I'll keep doing it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a, I make an affirmative choice with each and every garment. However, I do stagnate in terms of the skills I'm stretching in particular places. Lately, the big stretch for me has been top stitching. Everything I'm making right now has some top stitching involved in it, some amount, some things more than others. The overalls tend to have a lot of top stitching involved in them, but even the York pinafores that I'm making have a little top stitching and where they didn't, I made them have top stitching by cutting the fronts in half and having to sew them back together and top stitch down the front. But the pockets themselves are top stitched. Mm -hmm. And so for me, learning different ways that I can improve that skill has been a part of veering into overalls yeah um you would think the bigger thing would be learning how to make leg cages because i don't make a lot of pants but but i'm actually not super focused on that fit i'm not going for perfect fit i'm going for goes over my body (laughs) when there's a difference right when you make yourself a pair of pants you can make pants that you can technically wear or you can make perfect fitting pants and i know that several of the People who listen to our podcast have either, you know, have reached out or they're showing in their Instagrams that they are focused on that perfect fit. They've been using the Ithaca Maven top down center out pants fitting technique to make the best pants. Yes. I'm not, I'm not doing that. That may be a place I could go though. That would take me well out of my comfort zone to really think about what fit for my body looks like as opposed to adequate cover for my body, which is mostly what I aim at, right? So with the top stitching, I did a lot of reading and I did a lot of YouTube looking to try and figure out what was going to help me make top stitching that I wouldn't have to apologize for. And and what I discovered is my sewing machine has a little laser built into it. So it it does like a a laser that shows me a straight line. So I turn that on when I start top stitching. The other thing I've done is look for cheats because we both know I'm not going to be consistent in how I do this. And so I have determined which feet I have for my machine that allow me to use the edge of the foot or some other marker on the foot to make sure that I'm even, Mm -hmm. which means I'm probably not top stitching the way the instructions say, because for the most part, it's an eighth of an inch in and a quarter inch away from that. And my feet don't measure exactly that. So I'm doing instead this part of the foot and then this part of the foot. (laughs) That's Mm -hmm. the way that I'm measuring how far out I am. 
And I'm also using the feature on my machine that lets me move my needle. And yeah. I'm making sure I write down what I'm doing on the pattern envelope so that when That's I make good. them again, I know how to repeat what I did. Now, sometimes when I go back to make a thing again, because I've done that for forever, but sometimes when I go back to make a thing, what happens next is that I cross out what's on the envelope because I've found a different thing I want to use, <laughs> but at least I have the note, right? I know what I had done. So that's that's an example of a way that I identified a skill I didn't feel great about mm-hmm. that I needed to improve to do what I wanted to do Yeah, and how I got there. And that's kind of what I want to talk about today is sort of what does your comfort zone look like? And if if you want to stretch it, how do you actually do that? So this is an interesting topic because I think there are different types of people in their mindset about comfort zone when it comes mm-hmm. to uh, crafting or whatever kind of skills they're working on. And there are people who, if they can't do something perfect, they won't do it. Um Jim has told me about somebody he knows that had a paint set and they never got into it because they didn't want to paint it wrong. Like they never tried. Yeah. Um, and then there are people who only, you know, they, 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 you know, dabble in things. And then there's people who go whole hog and I'm kind of the person that goes whole hog because to me, the stakes are low. Um, yeah. If, if, if I don't like it, I don't, there's nothing I've lost the money that I put into it and the time, but that's actually just the, the, the money has been spent already. And so I'm not, um, I'm not, when I'm making my clothes, it's not because I do not have sufficient clothing to wear. I'm making clothes cause it's something yeah. I want to make. And, um, so it's, there's not a stake of like, if I don't make this right, then I don't have something to wear. Uh, I, right. I and so you might not try to stretch specific skills on the final version of your wedding dress without right. having first exactly confirm those skills through other efforts because yeah because the stakes on learning to top stitch on one of a thousand garments you might wear are really different yes. than being like you know what the wedding dress i want to make involves this intricate technique so i'm just going to go do it exactly exactly <laughs> right yeah and you know, if you're making something, you know, out of very fine, expensive fabric, you'll feel differently, which is why people twall and things like that. Um, but trying new things, um, I think for some people is very difficult because they, they're, they're probably maybe, maybe they were, when they made mistakes as children, their parents were very hard on them or their teachers or something. And so they're, they have a, you know, a feeling about like, I don't want to make mistakes. Yeah. But in that case, there may be ways to chunk it down or to do it differently to make it more possible. Um, One of the things that really worked for me that we talked about a little earlier in this episode is the intimidation factor I felt around making myself a coverall, a flight suit, Mm -hmm. was so significant that even though I've cut the pattern out before, even though I've literally cut the fabric out before, I never started sewing it. And I think most people who hear the podcast are aware that I probably already have the skills for this. This isn't yeah. a matter of my not being capable of making it. I've made garments that are arguably more complicated previously. Yeah. I just got in my head about it. And having someone who heard me be in my head about it say, hey, I want to do this too. Do you think we could do it together was a big help for me. And that's something I'm going to try and remember in the future when I'm feeling intimidated because I'm worried it won't be perfect enough. 
And that was part of the intimidation here. I have a picture in my head of what I want to do and what if it isn't right? Because then you lose the dream of it, right? right? If I made this and when I pulled it on, it didn't fit at all and I couldn't figure out how to make it fit. I would have lost that dream, at least somewhat. It would have had to go back to a place where it's like, but there isn't a tool out there to help me do this yet. And it would have been really sad. And so the risk of losing that feels high stakes. Mm-hmm. And yeah, but having well, another person. Could, this was a little bit more high stakes because this is this is tied up into your memory of your dad and everything yeah. else. You know, it's not the same as, you know, you make a million dresses or whatever. Yeah. There's some skill on that you have to make and it's a disaster, whatever, you know, but this, I think this had carried a lot more weight. It it definitely felt like it did. And now that I've done it, there's a part of me that's like, why did I wait so long? But I think the truth is waiting so long allowed me to experience this in a really supportive space that felt felt comfortable and like success was a given. And if something had gone very wrong, I'd have had someone right there ready to talk to me about how I was going to fix the problem next time. Like what could be done to resolve the issue? If, if I had pulled that on and it had not gone over my hips, I would have had Sarah to talk to about it and to find a different answer. And so I think there was something about that support that was really, really helpful. Um, But it also, as I stopped to do it, I tried to think about where I was going to be unhappy. I chose in this garment to use um, extraordinarily printed fabric. So in making this, I've used um, one of, I'm going to say it's Ruby Star, but I may remember wrong. I think think it's a Ruby Star canvas Mm -hmm. and it's got, it's their Florida print. It's got alligators and Florida palm leaves and other things on it. And because this garment has a big zip straight up the center of the front, it matters how that comes together. And we've all met me. Do I care about that as a rule? No, I do not. But as I'm making this thing, and I think that's where the pressure of it being built into a memory of my dad helped. As I started to make it, I thought, you know, if I'm going to do this, I need to at least think about how that comes together in the front and make a decision that's affirmative regarding whether I care about that. And if I do, thinking it through. And so as I cut the front pieces, I cut them separately, which I never do. I never do. Because who cares? (laughs) Because who cares? It's going to come together how it comes together and I'll be fine. It'll be part of the charm. But as I thought about this, I thought there are so many places where I could be dissatisfied. Why would I add to the number of those places Mm -hmm. through randomness? Mm -hmm. And so I laid it out separately and I thought it through. And Beverly, you would have laughed. I pinned the pattern piece. I took the piece that I'd cut already. I flipped it upside down and pinned it to the piece I was going to cut and then folded it back to see what it looked like to make sure however I mirrored that front Mm -hmm. was going to be satisfying. And because of the way the fabric is, this isn't one where I was able to build a whole alligator out of it, or I was, you know, any of those things. That's not what happened here. But I made sure that I felt good about how they came together in that space. And I I did a good job. Like when I sewed it, I did... I did the basting stitches you were supposed to before putting the zip in and I, and I unfolded it and I looked at it and then I tore it out and did it again. 
because it wasn't quite where I needed it to be for me to be happy. So one thing is, Jenny sent me a text um, last yesterday <laughs> saying it with a picture of a beautifully matched seam. And, <laughs> and what is your message? Kind of I mean, pattern matched. Yeah, I think that was pretty much it. Um, <laughs> and I can show you where it doesn't work. Like um, on this top, the very top most, the piece is off just a little bit oh there. My God. But for the rest of it, it's really good. Yeah, and, and I'm really happy with it. Like this didn't damage the garment. If I'm unhappy, it won't be because I didn't pattern match appropriately. Yeah, and that right. that took a lot of mental effort for me because it's against everything I do. Like yeah. this this garment has taken me longer to make than I <laughs> than I've spent on almost anything in my life. It's wild. So when you're when you're doing it, um, I'm gonna I have kind of a list of things that you'll find yeah. in the show notes that talk about ways you can get better at things. One is just sew with a friend who will encourage you to push yourself. And I do that regularly. I have Saturday morning sewing sessions with friend of the podcast, Lori, um, somebody or other's mom. As often as we can, we sew together for an hour or two on Saturday mornings. And that is that is a place where I know if I'm doing something and it's complicated and I'm scared, or it's not working, I have someone I can at least immediately go, oh, shit, look what went wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a good chance we're just going to laugh over it, and I'll get going again. But we also might talk about solutions and things like that. So it's really great to have that as support there. You can also publicly say what you're going to do, and then be held to account for it. Especially if you say, hey, I want to do this thing. I'm telling you about it because I want you to back me yeah. when I later try and step away from it or something else. And I feel like that's part of what I've done with deciding to design patterns is that I've yeah. gone out and said, this is the thing I'm going to do. And people do DM me to ask questions. And obviously in the podcast, I feel like I have to give updates and it forces me to continue to try and push those skills. And so I took this class on pattern design and there were parts of it that didn't work for me because of who I am. The class was great, strong recommend, but, but there were things I learned about myself and how I want to learn that mm -hmm. don't necessarily work the way that that class was intended to work. And so I had to do more offline by myself using written materials that came from the class than I did participating in discussion groups and things like that. Turns out that's not for me. But I got what I needed out of it. But part of how I got what I needed out of it is I'd already told everybody, like, yeah. like what happens next when you're like, well, I'm two lessons in and this is just hard. So never mind. <laughs> you know what I, mean? I felt like I had to keep going because there was an expectation there, sort of not. a, And it can be a bad one. There are people that's paralyzing for. Yeah. Right. So you have to know yourself. And you also have to, you know, this is a, supposed to be a fun hobby. So if something is ends up being too hard, you can also you can also choose not to do that anymore. Yeah. And and that may mean that you don't want to publicly talk about it, or it may mean that you're okay with going, you know what? Nope. That was a little bit rough. So we're not going to talk about this one anymore. <laughs> um, another thing you can do is really focus on those things that make you uncomfortable and try and figure out why and how you could improve it. So I'm a, I'm, I'm an avowed hater of buttons. I use snaps for almost everything. It's tons easier. There's <laughs> the only place snaps really let you down is where like, I couldn't snap. I couldn't do snap front jeans because when yeah. I sit, I'm going to pop every one of them. <laughs> There's just not a path there for me, but snaps are a thing, but at least part of my hatred of buttons is that perfectionism that you're talking about. I feel like 
my buttons are never perfect. My buttonholes, the buttons are fine. No troubles there, but the buttonholes are never perfect. They're never perfectly distant. They're never perfectly parallel. They're never perfectly stitched around. Even using like, I have a great buttonholer on my machine. It does a theoretically amazing job, but I actually have to coax it into it. And this is this is like a $10,000 machine. It should do you like, I should be able to look at it and it should make a perfect buttonhole, but it doesn't. It, there, I have to use different thread in my top and in my bottom stitch. I have to, yeah, I, I do things, but remember my level of what I'm going for, like what I want. Like I made the buttonholes that I've made on my overalls are just shitty little buttonholes. <laughs> They're made. I'm surprised because, okay, so I have my, okay, so I have the, the baby lock machine that I have, which is about a $700 machine. And I have a, uh, FAF machine, which is about a $3,000 machine. I make all my buttonholes on the baby lock because, um, I can't get the FAF one to half of them work. And there's nothing more frustrating than seam ripping a buttonhole. But, um, but it is true that I think buttonholes are a big thing that give people problems. And I think that that's, that's a place where, you know, if that's holding you back from the kind of garments you want to make, it's sitting down and practicing and figuring out, like, if I only had the wonderful $3,000 machine, I would figure out how to do it. Sheila Kelly has the same machine as me and she makes wonderful buttonholes with it. So it's obviously possible. I'm just familiar with this other one and it works for me. So yeah, I had to sit down and really figure out how to make this one work. And I'm also interested now in doing bound, not bound, um, like hand buttonholes, basically. No, I don't want to do welt ones. I want to do little welt buttonholes. And, and there are some other things I've thought about, like before I, before I flip my, before I sew together the straps on my overalls, I could, I could, well, I could do a welt, right? I could do the welt first and then, then sew my straps together and then flip them inside out. And I could end up with one that, that I can do the opposite of sort of what you do. So my button would Mm -hmm. be on the inside of my, my bodice and then it would go into the one half of my, my thing. Anyway, I've got like ideas on it, but I had to spend time on my Altair, my baby lock, playing with threads and thicknesses and other settings to decide what, what I needed a buttonhole to look like. And I'm impatient for shit like that. Like for me to sit down with layers of fabric playing, I, I would rather make a dress in the hour and a half it took me to figure out buttonholes. I, I could have made a whole garment. Mm-hmm. But instead, all I did was make a stupid buttonhole that wasn't even a part of a garment. It wasn't even something I could use. Mm-hmm. It was really, really annoying. But figuring that out means that I'm comfortable with my buttonholes on my overalls now. Mm-hmm. I still haven't mastered all the things I need to master about buttonholes, but I've made it a step further to where I'm not I'm not intimidated by it. Right. It's sort of like bias tape. That's the other one. Bias tape is intimidating for a lot of people because there's that perfectionism in it which is what I've always hated about it is I'm a quilter. I've always that 45 degree angle. I'm going to find the, you know, where my threads are. I'm going to, um, uh, what do you call it when you're doing it on the cloth and you're making it so that it's, it's square. Is it just called squaring the cloth? <laughs> I'm going to square my cloth first. Right. And then cut my 45. Mm-hmm. And when we were working on the yesterday dress, and I want to say it was Sarafornia, but it may have been Fat Thighs and Mermaid right. Pants. Okay, good. Sarafornia basically said, just go loosey-goosey. It'll be fine. 
<laughs> and discovering that Lucy Goosey is indeed fine enough for almost everything I've ever made <laughs> was amazing. You know, that was a that was a good thing too because actually I'm thinking about that. You know, when you have a a, a neckline and you need to stay stitch it, it's because it's um it's you know on the bias yeah. or whatever. It's very stretchy, but it's not a perfect bias. No, it's not at it's all. Still perfect, it's still super stretchy, right? So of course. Yeah. yeah. So it was that was exciting. It was it was it really changed my entire pattern of sewing. Mm-hmm. Like it it went and the reason I did it is I wanted that yesterday dress from Caramia so much. Yeah. Like I wanted that dress so badly. I had to get an answer that didn't make me want to pull my hair out. And pre-purchased bias tape was much worse than any other solution I could come up with because it's usually, it's got a lot of like starching in it or something else when you buy it like that. And it makes it harder to work with. It's actually less stretchy in spite of being more on the bias because because it's got that stay in it already. Um, That was huge. That made such a difference to my sewing practice. I put I put bias tape in all kinds of shit now. <laughs> there's, there's not one bit of it. Whereas before it would be a hesitation point. It'd yeah. be something where it's like, do I want this bad enough? And will I be happy enough with how the bias looks? Because I probably won't. But now I totally am. I love my bias. Another thing I think can be helpful is to make a list of the kinds of things that you feel you would like to stretch to do that make you uncomfortable in your sewing and how you'd like to change it. And it can be it can be things that are sewing skills, but it can also be things like I I hate sewing in my sewing room. I'd like to to be better about putting my tools away when I am done. And that may be a thing that's just outside your comfort zone. That's not a person you are, but you can you can make it part of your list of things you'd like to learn how to do. And then you can go look at what would it take to do that? Is it a better place to store sewing tools? Is it a you know, what are the other things? Is it making one of those marsupial bags from the Taco Tuesday magazine from last episode? Because you can slap your tools in there and then put it on the table or something else. But it can also be all the the other types of things like buttonholes or installing zips or making bias tape or fitting pants or whatever it is. And then make a list out of it. For me, checklists are an inspirational tool. I love myself a checklist. <laughs> I write down things I've already done so I can check them off. So I, I think that is brilliant. Then your yeah. list starts off already with some success. Yeah. So, so I'm, a, I'm a big fan of it. I think what I like about this idea is like if I put on there like welt pockets, for example, then uh. if I want to make welt <laughs> pockets, then I can just go and um, look it's kind of like, instead of, I want to make a pair of pants, like I want to make something that has welt pockets. And then you kind of can look at things in a different way. Like I could do that on a jacket. I could do that on the back of pants. I can do that. And you can put a welt pocket anywhere. Yep. Like that's the cool thing about welt pockets. It doesn't have to go into a seam and yeah. Yeah. And, and the practice for it is really fun and easy. One of the things I sometimes do, like I'll go off and look at um, the sewing Instagram um, reels and stories that people do. Mm -hmm. And there are several uh, sewists who have built really big followings just showing you how to do weird little stuff on your sewing machine, how to make a, you know, a welt placket or not a welt placket, a placket like that folds over itself on your, on your garment. They make it look so easy. Oh my gosh, they do. But I also... I'll try some of those things. If somebody has taped a straw to their sewing machine, I've probably tried it. 
You know what I mean? It's it's a kind of, it's like a fun experiment. It's something where I can make a date with myself to spend 30 minutes doing weird shit I saw on Instagram (laughs) and see what works for me. So the one that they do, like you'll see the one where people are showing you how to um, double fold a hem, like Mm -hmm. do a little narrow hem double fold and they'll take like an index card and they'll fold it in thirds and then feed their fabric through. That doesn't work for me at all. I've tried it several times. It's not the right tool for me. It just isn't. I am a hundred percent sure it works. I cannot make it work for me, but that's okay because the one where you tape a straw and you feed your narrow elastic through it, I do that shit all the time. That <laughs> that one works really beautifully for me. And I'll use a boba tea straw to feed through a half inch elastic that I'm doing like an elastic gathering on the end of a sleeve, not on the end, but like where I want to cuff it or mm-hmm. not cuff it, have a little, you know, two inches, then elastic, then the rest of your sleeve. Mm-hmm. I, I tape a little straw there all the time, just a piece of boba that a half inch piece of elastic will feed through. And I use that because it helps me. So I've learned, like I've found tools that work and that don't sure. for me, but part of the fun of it is trying them out. <laughs> Um, and of course, getting to check off the list is great. I use um, I use the notes function in my phone for this because it has it has check boxes <laughs> that you can check. I actually also use that for my grocery list. <laughs> I like I have a standard list of things for groceries, and then I have a I leave a little space, and then there's special things like weird things, and I use that to check things off. So when I create my grocery list, this is just a side tip no one cares about. Um, it'll have 30 items that are my normal groceries in it. And I go and uncheck the ones I still need to buy. If I still have plenty of, you know, milk, I just leave it checked at all times until I need it again. <laughs> so, so my oh, list will still have, that way I don't have to keep adding things and taking things away. I see. I just leave well, it pre-checked. Check, so you check it once you get it. I check it once I buy it. And then I uncheck it when I'm headed to the store, if I still need to get it. Mm, that's the opposite right because I don't I don't need milk every week it's just not the way we cook I don't need eggs every week but they're on my list because I need them always thank goodness because eggs are insanely expensive (laughs) right now (laughs) I've heard rumors yeah actually I took a picture just to send it to my husband when I was shopping the other day because it was crazy um and then finally I think randomly selecting a pattern that's out of your zone can be a thing that can help you and for me, I have I have probably a hundred patterns printed here in my house that I've not cut out and made yet. And one of the things that had occurred to me might be helpful for me with those. There's a reason I haven't made them. Sometimes it's out of comfort zone. Sometimes I just forgot about it, whatever, would be what I've started to do now. I've put together a box that has all my uncut patterns in it. And my intent is about once a month to just reach in and pull a pattern out. And that's what I'll be making. <laughs> and... I think that when you do something like that, when you add a random element to how you choose to proceed with your sewing, how you feel when you see what what you randomly selected tells you something. Yeah, right. Right. It's like um, they say, you know, if you need to make a decision, you flip a coin and you'll know right away what decision to make because it's which which one you're you're hoping for. Yeah. Like, yeah. And this is sort of similar. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and so to me, it's one of those where I can pull it and go, why haven't I made this? And in some cases, what I pull, it may be that I pull it out and I'm like, because sizing from that brand has been unpredictable for me. Mm. And so it's not, I don't need to stretch. They need to stretch. No, it it may be one where (laughs) I can examine it, but it may also lead to my going, you know what? Unpredictable enough that I'm not going to make it, that the problem Mm. isn't the garment, like that there's a skill I need or something else that's holding me back. It's that 
I have fear over how that pattern designer has treated my body in the past. Now, some of that may also be resolved by pulling it out and going, you know what? I'm just going to measure all of it. So I know sure. what I'm doing too. But there, so there are different paths, but you learn because you pulled it and you went, ah, oh, shit, all those buttons or yeah. damn it, it's a welt pocket or whatever it is. And then you can make the decision. Are you able to face it right now? Is that a thing you're comfortable trying to, but you've also gamified it to my way I think of gamifying it by making it a random thing that just happens to you like rolling dice. So anyway, I like the idea that you have in here about the random number generator. Yes. um, (laughs) Where, you know, I can imagine having a box of, you know, of, of patterns that I haven't made and just kind of grouping them by tens and then, okay, I've got a hundred patterns in here. I, I don't have that many, but you do. And um, do a random number generator, and then you sixty-six. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I to me, it just feels yeah. It feels like it could be fun. I also think you could have someone else pick the pattern, so you could have someone you sew with regularly, mm-hmm. whether it's once a month or once a quarter, whenever it is you sew with them, mm-hmm. and they pick the pattern. Then you pick the pattern, yeah. and that causes both of you to have to stretch, and yeah. in ways that may or may not have great results for you, but they give you. They give you that opportunity to look at a thing that you may not have considered previously. That's cool. So, anyway, um, so yeah, I my big stretch right now though is that I am working on understanding pants because I am I am probably going to design my own overalls before we're done. Wow! Um, I have a bunch that I'm enjoying, like looking at, and I'm going to cut some out and etc. But I'm I'm also kind of learning what I really want out of overalls. And I think in the end, that's probably going to result in my saying, so I guess I need to make some and and designing them, but I need to, I need to understand a little bit more about pants than I think I do right now. Cause like crotch curves and depth and the way that it changes when you're fat and you sit versus when you're straight sized and you sit and how much butt you have and all this stuff. I don't fully understand that yet. So I don't feel comfortable like, even drafting just for my body yet but that's that's a thing I'm interested in and I think looking at like some of the pants that you've pointed out to me today the the so liberated casecha and looking at pants we've talked about before and trying to make more of those and these overalls for myself is going to help me get there and we'll see whether or not I decide I still want to stretch far enough to design them cool so we've left a resource in here how to do something new from wikihow Um, but I think that Jenny put together a lot of good ideas, um, in this episode. Awesome. For folks that would like to sponsor our podcast and all that means is you'd like to give something away for our monthly challenge. All you have to do is make that available worldwide, whether it's a PDF or something you put in the mail. And, um, we do not charge for that, but we do talk you up every, every week, um, as we record these episodes. Yeah, absolutely. And we appreciate everyone who uh, steps forward to sponsor. I know we've got some other ones uh, lined up coming up, but we can always use some additional support there. So thank you very much. We'd also like to ask you to take a moment to rate and review us or to share our podcast on Instagram or other social media so that folks know where to find us. Um, Obviously, for Beverly and I, it feels just like two old friends getting together to chat, but we hear from a lot of our listeners that that's also how it feels for them. So it's a great thing to share as a resource. And finally, um, we want to remind you that we do have a Patreon. Uh, you can join as a friend of the show. 
and uh, where you're just given out of the goodness of your heart. You can join as a friend with benefits where you also get a bonus episode every month or a friend with gifts where you get a bonus episode every month. And at least once a year, you get a present in the mail from us. Absolutely. And you can check out our Instagram feed or where people have tagged us to find out um, what people have received this year. We had a lot of fun putting that together and I can't wait to start planning for this coming year. Um, And I guess that's it, right? Yep. I will see see you next Tuesday. Tuesday. The Punk Frackers is created, produced, and edited by Beverly Baptiste and Jenny Hassler. On Instagram, you can find the podcast at Punk Frackers. You can find Jenny at J.O. Hassler and Beverly at Weeds to Wildflowers. Our artwork and music is created and performed by Jim Duran. You can find him on Instagram and his website at jimduran.art. 